Hello, Run Smarter Scholars. Thought I'd do something a bit different today. I'm actually going to release an episode, which is one of the patron exclusive episodes. I'll be playing the episode for you in its entirety. Myself and the, I think it's close to 50 patrons are having a great time in the private Facebook group once they do become a patron. And I thought I'd share the love a little bit. If you do want to join and become a patron, there's always a link in the show notes. And then you can invite yourself into the private Facebook group and then I'll accept you in. So... Here is one of the episodes talking about plyometrics, so let's dive in. On today's patron episode, tips for introducing power and plyometrics. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the patron-exclusive edition. I personally want to say a big thank you for supporting the podcast and becoming a part of the Run Smarter family. Those who are generous enough to make monthly contributions to any podcast is a rare quality. And the best way I can show my gratitude is by giving you more opportunity to excel as a runner. So take full advantage by joining our Facebook group by searching Run Smarter Patron and downloading the Run Smarter app. Let's work together as a family to transform you into the smartest runner you can be. And let's begin today's lesson. Here we go, patrons. Um, welcome to another exclusive episode. I have, as always, um, time to welcome some new patrons that we have on board over the past month. We have Maxine, we have Emily, we have Cristobal, my good mate Dimmer, we have Damien and Jessica who has joined the last couple of days. Welcome everyone. Welcome to the family and hopefully you enjoyed this exclusive episode. You do have the rest of the episodes, you do have the back catalog to follow if you haven't already. Um, and while I'm doing shout outs, a big thanks to Lee for coming up with this, this suggestion. I have, um, it goes to show that I, um, don't really know exactly what you guys want. So when I start to hear comments, I highly encourage comments because I'm trying to think of different things that you might want and things that we haven't talked about yet. And all it takes is one suggestion from Lee about um, plyometrics, and it's by far the most popular suggestion. So well done. And thanks to all those who have voted. Uh, it's As the, the patron people, uh, as the tribe gets bigger, I have, um, I'll probably end up stop doing this, but we've had 20 people submit their this answer. And so I want to give them a big shout out. So Ivan, Tracy, Chelsea, Lynn, Janine, Bree. Maxine, Erin, Emily, Tom, Lee, of course, Christine, Sam, Holly, Stefan, Jessica, Jill, Jesse, and Virginia. Thanks to everyone who um, voted for this topic. And yeah, if anything, um, it's just a, it just goes to show that if you have an idea, if you uh, find a, a gap that you might be missing or something you need help on, there's probably a lot of runners there that are thinking the same thing. So encourage your input and your comments. So we have today's episode. I do have a couple of um, things written down here. I thought we might just get started with uh, the definition because I thought I'd put in power as well as plyometrics in today's topic. And so let's define the two. First of all, we have power and we want to see how we introduce power into our training in order to get better strengths. Um, and then how to improve plyometrics. And they are slightly different. So power is, um, in its simplest form, um, and as Google says, <laughs> um, it's the product of force multiplied by distance 
divided by time. So it's how much you're moving something, how quickly are you doing it in the shortest amount of time possible. And I will give an example in a second. Um, We will dive into plyometrics, the definition of plyometrics. These are exercises that exert the maximal force in the shortest interval time possible uh, with the goal of increasing power. And so let's say if you were, so power can be slow, but you're trying to move as much force as quickly as you can um, rather than just like a slow. So let's use an example. Let's say for a squat, um, a power, like introducing power will be doing a slow down phase into your squat, but then trying to come up in that concentric phase as fast as you can. So that's power. It can take like one to two seconds to come back up, but at least the intention is to try and bring that heavy weight up as quickly as you can. Whereas sometimes if you're doing a heavy squat, you might focus on say three seconds down, three seconds up, or two seconds down, two seconds up, rather than a three seconds down, one second up. It's like as quick as you're trying to move that amount of force. Uh, Whereas plyometrics is this really sharp contact time. It's really designed to stimulate the nervous system rather than just giving the, the muscles a different way of contracting. And so it's a ballistic type strength training, which it, um, I looked up some research and it said it's probably due to adaptations of the nervous system rather than um, power. And it works probably by increasing the motor firing frequency. So like how fast those motor units are firing, improving the motor unit synchronization. So just more motor units are firing at once. And so we're looking at the timing that they're firing and how many are firing and just how excited they are to start firing. So that's all to do with the nerves. It's the signal getting to the muscles. It's probably increasing the the motor drive again with a more of a neural component and probably works with um, switching off the other muscles. So the, what we call the antagonist muscle patterns and coordinating those two a bit more effectively. And so an example of that, if we go and um, say, use an example of a squat, um, a squat action, instead of doing that power-based thing where we're pushing uh, three seconds down, one second up, we're now taking away all that weight and just doing body weight exercises. And we say drop off a box from a height. We land in a squat position, but it's only in a fraction of a second that you're springing back up either into the air or onto another box. And so it is the fastest possible action you can do. It's the shortest contact time you have on the ground. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. But still in that squat action. So there, they might be the differences between the two. Yes, plyometrics does work on power. Power not doesn't necessarily work on plyometrics. It's a little bit quicker. Hopefully that made sense. So that's the difference between the two. Um, plyometrics, some examples, I guess. Some plyometric examples could be just jumping, skipping, bounding, anything with a really quick contact time, 
hopping is another one. But uh, like I say, the intention or the goal is to really quickly fire that muscle pattern as quickly as we can. And an example that most people can start off with, a really nice one, could just be skipping. Skipping, um, but with the intention of getting that skipping rope, um, I guess, moving as quickly as you can, because I know some people can do really slow skips and just jump over the rope and think they're working plyometrics. We're really focusing on really short jumps, really quick um, contact times, and just fluttering with your feet almost. Keep that in mind. If you can't move the, the skipping rope fast enough, then you can just do some pogos, which is just jumping on the ground with that really rigid um, short contact time, but very rigid legs uh, without the skipping rope. Uh, some progressions with that plyometric, if we're keeping skipping in mind, we might then integrate some small hurdles. And I'm saying maybe like four to five inches high and you stack them up in front of you and your goal is to jump over that one hurdle. And then as soon as you land, you're bouncing back up over the next hurdle. You could have one hurdle um, faced and you face to the side and you try and jump over the, the hurdle and then quickly jump back over. So you're doing a quick back and forth side to side jump. Uh, but that's the next progression. And we could move on to progressing with bigger hurdles or that example I used before, like a box jump where you're dropping, you're not jumping off the box, you're just dropping and let gravity do its thing. As soon as you land, you land in that squat position. A fraction of a second later, you're jumping back up onto another box in front of you or jumping up into the air and then landing. Again, mostly body weight, but really quick contact times, really quick explosive movements. Uh, you don't, like with that example, you don't necessarily need to um, go into a squat position, we're probably landing in say a quarter squat and then jumping straight back up. You don't have to go down into a squat and then launch back up because that's taking a lot of time and you're probably working more of that power and not a lot of plyometric if it's taking one to two seconds to launch back up. Some power examples. Um, most people know of like sled pushing in the gyms, particularly like those high intensity classes. That's trying to move amount of force. It's trying to move a weight over a certain distance in the fastest amount of time. It's not that quick contact time like you'll see in those plyometric exercises, but it is introducing some power. But um, some simple integrations is like what I used before. It's a slow eccentric phase followed by a fast concentric phase of whatever exercise you want to use. So that could be lunges, it could be squats, it could be deadlifts, it could be calf raises. Say for a calf raise, if you're on a calf raise machine and you've got weights piled onto your shoulders and you're standing with your legs straight, you can slowly drop those heels down so that the heels go past the um, level of the floor. Just say if your, your toes are off the edge of a step and then that fast concentric phase is um, engaging those calves, bring those heels up onto your toes in the fastest time you can whether that takes one second, whether that takes two seconds, we're trying to have that intention of fastly uh, producing that force as fast as we can. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so there, there are some, I think I have some other ones. Oh, worth mentioning, sometimes with plyo lunges or plyo squats or box jumps, a lot of times um, it's not actually working plyometrics. I think I put plyo lunges in my Instagram feed a couple of weeks ago. But looking back on it, I was probably taking two seconds in between lunges and wasn't really 
producing that plyometric effect like I wanted. We really need that short contact time, that real power explosive. So um, those sort of plyo lunges, plyo squats, box jumps, if it's taking you between one to two seconds to produce that force, you're probably just working more power rather than plyometrics. Um, If we're using, say, deadlifts, we can do the same thing. We can do that fast, uh, we can do that slow down phase where you're, if you start in standing with the weight um, on your th- on your thighs and then you slowly lower yourself down, let's say it takes three to four seconds, but then we're looking at a one second quick up, that's working more power. And metronomes can help. You can just have that tick, 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 and you're, you know you're going down for three ticks and you're going up for one tick and then repeat that. That can be a really nice way of integrating power and s- without giving your body too much difference. So there's some examples. Um, The actual training effects, I did look up a a meta-analysis in 2009, and the title was, Does Plyometric Training Improve Strength and Performance? No, Improve Strength Performance. (laughs) Um, Let me say that again. Does Plyometric Training Improve Strength Performance? Question mark. A meta-analysis, 2009. Uh, what they do with a meta-analysis is they don't conduct the study themselves. They don't get the participants to go through the exercise. What they do is find all the past papers that kind of fit their narrative or kind of fit the question they're proposing, compile all of it together, and then see what the end result is. And so uh, they did have um, plyometric kind of, I guess, an example. They say that the plyometric training intensity, volume, and exercise selection followed the principle of progressive load. So all the stages or all the studies that they included had some level of progressive overload. They started with low intensities, single joint exercises. So let's just say a calf raise um, and less complex exercise techniques, but then they progressed throughout the six to 12 weeks to progress to higher intensities, multi-joints, and now we're working the ankle, knee, hip, and more complex techniques. So it always has to integrate some sort of um, progressive overload. We're always constantly chasing that adaptation zone. And uh, they, like all most of these meta-analysis, they don't actually delve into the nitty-gritty of what exercise they did, how many reps, how many times, but um, I do have a few little... Um, I did manage to uncover a couple of... Um, of variables that I'll share with you in a second, but we don't have a lot of um, specific exercises that they used. However, let me go through the conclusion of this meta-analysis. So in conclusion, the present study that they did demonstrates that plyo training significantly improves strength performance. According to our results, when subjects can perform it with adequate technique, the training gains are independent of fitness levels. So you could be a beginner, you could be an expert, you still receive these same same gains. On the other hand, um, subjects with both high and low physical conditions benefit equally to plyometric training. This show, they also say that the training volume of less than 10 weeks with more than 15 sessions using higher intensities, so they said 40 reps, 40 repetitions per session, seem to be the most beneficial. So means we we don't have to take up to 12 weeks. It could be 10 weeks or less. So say maybe eight to 10 doing about 15 sessions. So twice per week on average, 
using high intensities and the repetitions of around about 40. Say if we're doing plyo, say hurdle jumps, we're doing four sets of 10. That's your 40 repetitions. And that's all that was needed. And then we progress week by week. Another important conclusion is that it is more beneficial to combine plyometrics with weight training than to utilize only the single modality. So combining plyometrics with weight training or strength training um, does seem to foster the most um, beneficial outcome. So good to know. Um, It's hard to do this podcast and tell you exactly what you need to start with, what exact rep, what exact intensity, what exact exercise, and how to progress from there. Um, But I think with those examples that are listed before, that's enough for you to kind of take away, make sure that we have, we're doing the right amount of volume. Um, And I do have a couple of safety tips here that I want to recommend before you start integrating some sort of power or plyometric exercises. Uh, So number one, recognize the high demand that is required. So start conservatively. The power, if you haven't done much power plyometric training before, it can be quite deceptive. It could kind of feel a little bit easy, but is um, it puts you at a risk if you don't respect the demand that it requires. So um, let's just say for plyometrics, if you do skipping and you start with double leg and you do three sets of one minute with intention, so like that really short contact time, um, you're going to notice a drop in performance before you recognize fatigue in the muscles. So this is where most people, when they do strength training or they go for a run, they recognize that they start to slow down. It starts getting harder when the legs start burning or they start feeling heavy. Whereas because we're working the nervous system, um, if you're doing your hurdle jumps, you will notice that you won't be able to jump as high. That's what your nervous system fatigue is. And that's when you should stop, take a rest, take a minute or two to recover, and then do your next set. You won't necessarily start to feel that burn or that fatigue or the legs getting heavy. So keep in mind that that's at the time you start to reduce performance or you start to feel like you're lagging a little bit and that quick contact time is starting to decrease. Uh, That contact time is starting to, I guess, it's actually get longer um, with the contact time, but your performance starts to decrease. That's when we should rest. Otherwise, you might notice, oh, I'm doing fine and do way too much. And then you end up with an injury the next day. Similar to power, if we're doing these safety tips and making sure that when we introduce these, um, that we're being quite conservative, you might only want to start, let's just say if you're doing deadlifts or squats, maybe just start with just one set, introducing that power component. You might even want to reduce the weight slightly to integrate some of that power. Um, because if to say you're used to squatting 60 kilos and then you say, fine, let, Brody says I should start doing more power. So let me do um, all of my three sets of eight at a really quick rate during that concentric phase. That's probably going to foster an environment for injury or just an overload in general. So make sure we start with one set, see how things go. Next time you can do two sets and then within the third session, fourth session, something like that, if you've responded well the first couple, you might want to introduce all three sets. And then, um, like I said, we, we probably want to do this once or twice a week, perhaps one strength session. You are 
focusing on that slow controlled, maybe a little bit heavier, maybe doing three sets of 10 with the heavier weights. Then in your next session, you're probably doing, maybe you want to do a bit of power. So you might want to do uh, all three sets. Once you're used to doing all three sets, doing that three second down, one second up. And that's going to be enough to stimulate those muscles and start to adapt for more strength. Um, or you might want to break it up into two. If you want to do two sets with that slow heavy and two sets with that power focus and just do that in one session, then that could be more than enough to start integrating more, more, more and more things. My last little safety tip is like when you're progressing power, we want to try for speed before weight. So let's just say you've reached your three sets of eight doing your deadlifts with a power focus during that concentric phase. In order to progress, you might want to increase the speed, like how fast you're doing that concentric phase before you start to increase the weights. Make sure you're really nutting down that power focus and that real um, enhancing or activating those muscles and those tendons quickly. Make sure you get that really good first before starting to introduce weight. So that's a couple more safety tips. So um, just to recap, as I scroll back up, So power is like producing force over a certain distance divided by time. So we're trying to move a massive amount of weight in the shortest time possible. Plyometrics have that really quick contact time. So plyometrics can be working on power, but sometimes some power exercises might not necessarily be a plyometric. And the plyometrics are more tailoring to the nervous system, that quick fire, engaging those motor neurons, engaging those motor units, and just creating excitability as quickly as we can. Some examples of plyometrics, everything jumping, skipping, hopping, lunging, bounding, anything that's really quick contact time. Power would just be that quick concentric phase of any um, sort of strength movement. The training effects, we see that there are benefits if we combine both plyometrics and strength training together. If we do round about six to eight week, uh, six to 10 week program, if we do about twice per week, and if we do around about 40 plyometric repetitions per session, that's been enough to produce some benefit and start to produce some power. And then we have our safety tips at the end, making sure that we're recognizing that it is high demand, even though you're not necessarily feeling it in your training session. It is a significant boost um, once you start doing things quickly. Um, Make sure that we're starting conservatively, slowly building up, and just recognize if you are doing plyometrics, you will start overloading the system. You will start noticing a drop in performance rather than a fatigue in the legs. Um, So that's the time to have a rest and then start your next set after a minute or two break. Hopefully that highlights a few things. Um, Thanks once again, Lee, for suggesting this topic. I highly recommend all of your comments in the Facebook page. And yeah, let's keep learning together. So um, next month, uh, like it'll be the end of this month. I'll put the poll back out and you guys can vote. And then, um, yeah, I'll be delivering another exclusive episode next month. So thanks once again for contributing and take care, guys. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs, and ebooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. 
also be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar, and remember, knowledge is power.